0: This
1: is Fans on the Run, a podcast made by, for, and about Beatles fans. And now, here's your host, Iconela All right, hello, 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 hello. Welcome back to Fans on the Run. It's probably one of the Beatles podcasts you are listening to right now. It's, you know... I I I've run out of introduction or I've run out of introductions to say. I have like four jokes. I'm like one of those toys with a pole string, like four unique sayings and I've run out of them. So just you can skip ahead about thirty seconds if you don't want to hear my rambling. That that's why they have those and whatever whatever fucking service you're listening to this on i don't know i don't even know what services this show is on anymore it's there's spotify itunes podbean iheart radio stitcher uh the flipper gipper i i don't care basically anywhere but enough about me mystery guest how are you today i'm
0: very well how are you doing
1: I am doing just all right. Excellent. How would you describe yourself?
0: Myself, um, uh, I'm a searcher. Still haven't found. That's
1: about all the time we have for today. Everybody. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. I was born in uh,
0: 1975. So yeah. I'm a searcher. Yes. <laughs> no. Should I describe my show? Or, or uh, please
1: do. You're a searcher.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Not not from the
0: searchers
1: you know no, not no. pins
0: needles and pins uh. yeah pins and needles get pins and needles <laughs> more often than needles and pins Sorry. <laughs> yes um uh, yeah the show is glass onion on john lennon started it um coming on for two years now um every every now and again i, I would check itunes and, and plug in john lennon and think someone must have done the show and they didn't so as the as the cliche has it i stepped into the gap and um yeah, I I call it a deep dive really. Uh it's I kind of personalize. I think the new uh era of Beatles podcasts and solo Beatles is perhaps a bit more personal than it used to be. And yeah. so I kinda of talk about that and we've done some controversial things. Tom Hanyadi and I I know you've had Tom on your show, that was a great one. Who's yeah. he? Uh <laughs> shit, Sam said that as well. Sam said there's yeah. no other there's no other Paul McCartney podcasts. <laughs> Yeah, now we well. now we reviewed uh, riding so high, and then uh, I did one about politics, and I did do a couple about the assassination and his killer, which I totally understand is an area that some John Lennon fans or podcasters don't want to go to, mm-hmm. but I just kind of wanted to explore it. But um,
1: yeah, as James Tiberius Kirk once said, "Boldly going where no man has gone before."
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, I um, I mean, I I did a like a joint show with a guy called Gordon from an Irish podcast called Those Conspiracy Guys. Mm -hmm. Uh, We just... He'd already done a show about John Lennon, so we kind of fleshed that out, and we kind of left thinking... Well, we left kind of saying the same thing. There's lots of circumstantial, so we didn't really... I don't know. I'm finding more and more... I don't know if you find this, but the more you research, uh, in a way, the more confusing it gets. It's a black hole. uh, Yeah, and I'm finding... As time goes on, I'm actually less and less inclined to say that anything is my firm opinion. But yeah, you know, because it changes. But I think that's fine because you know, there's still so many books coming out and new podcasts start. The more you know, the more you don't. There you go. The further you travel, the less you know. Oh, that would be such oh. a good place to end. But <laughs> oh, <fine. laughs> we've already <laughs> done two.
1: Yeah. But anyways, yeah, if you haven't been able to tell, our guest for today is the host of Glass Onion on John Lennon. He is Anthony Rattuno. Welcome was a, to Fans on the Run.
0: Thank you. That was an amazing pronunciation.
1: That was amazing. That was it's so not good. like we had to stop and start no, again. Absolutely not. That's the magic of magic of computers, everybody. <laughs> yeah.
0: Technology. Yes.
1: Technology. Wow. I hate it. But, you know, you got to do what you got to do.
0: Yeah. That's the reason so, you're here.
1: How are you this fine what what time is it over there?
0: Uh just gone eight o'clock, eight PM. Oh, so it's gonna be dark out. Yeah, a little bit, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I'm doing all right. Been teaching teaching English. Well lots of hours. <laughs> Quite repetitive, but you know. It's a challenge to try and keep it fresh.
1: Well let's talk <laughs> about the Let's do something uh, not repetitive, a Beatles podcast. Hey, Hey, talk about John Lennon for the first
0: time ever. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I'm surprised no one has ever written a book about him.
0: Uh, Yeah. Yeah. You would
1: think. You'd think. Yeah. But anyways, I want to jump right back to the
0: beginning. Okay. How did you first discover the Beatles? Okay. Well, I mean, growing up in England, it's impossible for them not to be there at some point. You know some way in your life but um you know the i'd say the first time that their kind of magic hit me was uh you know the guinness book of records yes yeah there was a guinness world of records at the place called the trocadero in london leicester square mm-hmm. and it was sort of there were videos and audio of all the world records and there was a music section and um I think it was a record for the most weeks at number one, or the most weeks on the chart, but whatever it was, there were four songs that I selected. One of them was a Thriller, you'll be pleased to know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I have been listening. <laughs> um, another one was I Wanna Hold Your Hand, and you could press the button, and then the song would start up. And I just remember when I was, I don't know, nine or 10, pressing this button, and the thing about the early Beatles songs is that they're so well produced, that they have this just rush of energy from the first second. Oh, and they just, do. Yeah, just remember that. Da-da-da, you know the beginning. And it's of... not
1: even by accident. Like no, no one. One day, I I have all the uh, outtakes for the "I Want to Hold Your Hand" session, mm. and I was hearing multiple versions, and Paul kind of dictating, mm. like, "No, it has to be da na na." Yeah. No, because you can't you can't go soft. It needs to hit you right there, and Paul, you know, was really kind of. It, it seemed like it was just kind of like, you know, they were playing the song, but
0: mm.
1: they actually put more thought into that than most bands put into entire albums.
0: <laughs> yeah, I was surprised. I remember hearing that, actually, in the outtakes. Yeah. Paul kind of was telling him which drum to hit and stuff. That was interesting. No, and I mean, it, it was just this impact. And uh, Weirdly enough, last year I was teaching. Um, I was living in Spain until about a year ago. And I was teaching these um, very a class of very low-level, middle-aged Spanish ladies. And uh, what I often do is I put music into the classes. Sometimes I bring my guitar. or One thing to do is play a song and then uh, black out some of the lyrics. And then they have to listen to it and fill them in. Da da da. And I said, oh, are you guys Beatles fans? And they were all like, yeah, not bad. And then um, I think it was Can't Buy Me Love. And I put it on this little speaker... And then as soon as it started, you could kind of see them all, like their ears pricked up, you know. It was like, oh, wow. And it's just, it's just that impact, I think. But, um, and then with John Lennon, I had the John Lennon collection, if you remember that one. Mm-hmm. And uh, my sister bought me the Ray Coleman book, which I've kind of criticized a bit on my show. But uh, it was, it's, a, it's a great entry point. And um, I remember getting that and then uh, the biggest cliche in the world, bunking off school, as we say in England, sagging off yeah. school. Uh, because I just had to like keep reading this and reading about this amazing character. Because I, I didn't really know, or neither, obviously I knew the Beatles, I didn't really know much about them individually. And I didn't know John Lennon was such a rebel. And, but hearing all these, reading all these stories of him at art college cracking up all his fellow students by just laughing maniacally and just this kind of amazingly enigmatic character and then of course the terrible end but you know there is a i I have to be careful what i say here but that that is part of you don't no that's that's true yeah that's true Uh, that is kind of part of it's not
1: like anyone listens to this show
0: (laughs) no i was just going to say that the, the tragic end was part of the the kind of 40 year drama of his life and although, I, you know, I was sad about what had happened, that was, you know, the fact that it was all packed into 20 years of adult life just added to it, really. But I don't know, they've just been part of my life now for 30 years. And I, every now and again, when it seems like I kind of know all the songs or something, then all these isolated tracks appear. And, you know, suddenly you can hear the isolated vocals and you hear the isolated guitars and you can hear little bits of guitar that you can't hear on the finished song. And then... Then you get Beatles podcasts, and then and then all these books, and it's just—I don't know—it's just a gift that keeps giving, you know. Quite Again, amazing. it's a
1: black hole.
0: Mm. It's a nice black hole.
1: <laughs> it's a very nice black hole. <laughs> it's there's no other black hole I'd prefer to be in.
0: Yeah. yeah. Okay.
1: That sentence—if someone took that out of context, that could be that could be very damaging.
0: Yeah. Don't let someone else edit the show.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so, what was the what was the
0: first uh, Beatles album you remember listening to? Yeah, actually, this was uh, the same sister. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well done, Marina. Um, it was that one uh, called Oldies. actually sh- made it. Yeah, yeah. Well, she's been mentioned on the show. I think all my family gets mentioned one time or another. Had my mum on the show as well. which was quite funny. Uh, yeah, it was that one. Um, you know that one called Oldies and Goldies. Oh yeah that came out because they didn't have a christmas album because they were doing pepper yeah um yeah
1: god awful Uh, cover
0: of uh oldies and goldies yeah i like yeah i I like the back cover though they're in yeah japan japan Mm -hmm. but um yeah i think that was kind of my introduction as well because it was i i grew up in the 80s basically and at that time when i was i think it's like late 80s 13 or 14 i'd have been listening to Oh, I suppose commercial stuff would have been Duran Duran or something like that. But then there was also Pet
1: Shop Boys.
0: Pet Shop Boys, yeah. But there's also stuff like the Smiths, who I really liked. Oh yeah. But um, I have
1: a lot of opinions on the Smiths, but that is not. But that is neither here nor there. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, all (laughs) I all all I'll say is Morrissey's a fucking asshole. Oh
0: okay. (laughs) Fair enough. Um, but I was gonna say yeah, uh, 80 singles were all sort of four minutes, four and a half minutes and they tended to have long fade outs. Yes. Yeah. One thing I remember they always a lot of the singles seem to be about a minute longer than they perhaps should have been. And then hearing this oldies and goldies and like, she loves you is like two minutes, one second or something from me to you is not even two minutes. And they just like jumped off the speakers like, wow, what is this? And then of course it was created 25 years ago, but to me it was fairly new. And then you find on the same album you've got Yesterday and then you've got Michelle and then you've got Eleanor Rigby, for God's sake. Yeah. And you think she loves you to Eleanor Rigby in three years. And that's Crazy. just the
1: pre-67 Beatles. Yeah, oh, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And he said that your first uh, John Lennon album was mm. the uh, John Lennon collection.
0: Yeah, that's right. Yeah.
1: Do you have uh. any memories about that album?
0: Um, Yeah, I mean, I, again, we went, I remember a holiday in Italy. I don't remember what year, but it would have been about 14 or 15 and just listening to it just over and over. I mean, I was just so obsessive, you know, I would just listen to the same thing, but still get locked out of it. I wasn't just listening to it for the sake of it. But I remember thinking that the 1980 songs were a little bit eerie because it only been like eight or nine years. You know, now we're, look, now we're talking about 40 years in a few months. just it's just crazy but we'll eventually
1: pass the point where he's been dead longer than he was alive
0: oh there you go yeah we were just yeah in a few months isn't it? yeah but um yeah that john lennon collection i mean it's a good it's a good collection because it's it's quite a journey from give peace a chance to um you know the last one's dioko or I'm losing you. But the Imagine 88 documentary was another one. I think, I think if you had the Ray Coleman book, the John Lennon collection and the Imagine 88 film, you've got the perfect sort of John Lennon official story. And then you can kind of delve into May Pang and Fred Seaman if you want to. and yeah. Different books and, and get a sort of slightly different picture, which I've got to be honest, I'm kind of veering in that direction the more I do the show. But, you know, I'm still pretty neutral. I want to ask, Um,
1: because it's mm. that late 80s time period. Mm. What are your thoughts on that Albert Goldman book?
0: I mean, I actually had, I've done a show which we recorded in May, and for whatever reason hasn't come out yet. Um, And it was by, and it was a guy called Ben Rowling, He's actually J.K. Rowling's cousin, J.K. Rowling's cousin. And because uh, I got in trouble for saying Rowling a lot, but uh, his um, his partner is the daughter of Marnie Hare, who was Albert Goldman's main source. She was the source for most of the stuff in the Dakota, and I actually got to talk to the girl. who's called Caitlin, who was Marnie Hare's daughter and Sean Lennon's playmate in the Dakota, and oh, we had a wow. re- yeah, we had a really interesting conversation, and they knew Albert Goldman, and they did say that he wasn't anything like as bad as he as he seemed. I think, I'm just, slowly I think the sort of darker truth has come out, but I still think the way that was packaged, so the way it was packaged, it was just a very tabloidy, very gossipy, and obviously everyone will tell you the same thing, the research was very good, but they just weren't any positive bits almost. Yeah. But I've, I've got to be honest, I think, I used to be an activist um, in London and I used to do a lot of research on sort of dark topics. I guess people would call them conspiracy topics, but they're not all conspiracies. They're just sort of the dark underbelly of how the world works. And I just, I suppose I tend to think the world probably runs in a darker way than a lot of people. I'd say that's probably the difference. And I think little bits of that book have been borne out through the years. Oh but yeah. But then there's some there's some really wild leaps in that book, and the way it's all packaged, the way it's all put together is very negative. And of course, when he appears on TV, there's some clips on YouTube. He doesn't come across well at all. And this lady I talked to said he really wasn't like that. And like, she didn't know why he came across so badly on TV. But that kind of adds fuel, doesn't it, to the you know the anger about his book.
1: You, you mentioned mm. something. Uh, you mm. were on the conspiracy guys podcast mm. i want to ask you since we're talking about all this dark underbelly stuff <laughs> that whole theory about uh the Tavistock or tavistock institute
0: tavistock. do you have yeah. any
1: thoughts on that
0: well i mean do you listen to that show the irish show i've have listened to it? a bit yeah yeah i mean they do uh <laughs> they do podcasts of up to seven or eight hours so it's <laughs> something yeah they go deep um yeah i mean it's it's definitely go bigger
1: go home i guess yeah
0: (laughs) it's um i think tavistock is it's very interesting i mean i'm very of the opinion that society is somewhat engineered and people say how can a few people influence billions and it's not really a few people influencing billions but if you think about the fact that most people what they are talking about in their discourse is what's been on the news now, if someone happens to be engineering that news, then they're engineering what people, quite a majority of people are gonna be talking about. Mm-hmm. So um, I don't, I certainly don't think social engineering is out of the question, but I think with the Tavistock one, I haven't looked at it for ages, but there were a few things that, when you actually know the topic, you know, let's say as an expert, I don't mean that big headedly, but you know what I mean, something you studied for a long time, yeah. you you can actually see that there's quite a lot of factual errors in it. and. I don't think you know there was a secret group of songwriters that wrote the Leonard McCartney songs. But what what usually happens with the most outrageous things, if you dig into them, you what actually happens is there are little kernels of truth. So, you know, I don't think anybody else only had a hand in uh, writing the Beatles songs, but I could definitely get behind the idea that the whole 1967 flower power thing was kind of manufactured because in the summer of 67 you know they locked up Mick Jagger and Keith Richards there was a a three-day war in the Middle East I mean there were something like 250 race riots across America in the summer of 67 Mm -hmm. so you have to think that a lot of the peace and love was kind of propaganda so I certainly wouldn't be against the idea that there was a little bit of engineering of that but I don't think for example that McCartney songs are written by someone else. I mean, do you mm-hmm. think there's anything to that?
1: uh I mean, I don't know, I don't well, think so hmm.
0: but no one knows anything for certain in this life. oh yeah, I'm glad you said that because I'm kind of the same. Someone yeah. asked me about Paul is dead, and I said the, probably the only difference between me and uh, some other people is that if it turned out to be true, I wouldn't be that surprised because I just like exactly. you
1: said, I'm, I'm kind of on that same boat, and I don't want this mm. to turn into full-blown, like, tinfoil hats. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, if it turns out it did happen, it's like, yeah. okay. Yeah, that that kind of adds up.
0: I think things like Paula's Dead and, um, you know, obviously the one they always say is, like, oh, you think Elvis is still alive? I think they're um, kind of straw men you know, and flat earth as well. They're, they're sort of the worst possible case worst possible examples of mad yeah. conspiracy theories. But, you know, there are quite a few that have turned out to be true, you know. So, uh, yeah. Um, I mean, the fact that, well, I won't go into this now, but the fact that the FBI had a file on John Lennon was a conspiracy theory until about 20 years ago. But uh, Yeah. <laughs> I just think there's more to know, that's all.
1: Yeah. It? Well, where all life is is just like an endless quest for information.
0: Hmm. Yeah, at least and that's
1: kind of how I view it.
0: Yeah, I mean it's, yeah, it's more and more questions, really. Mm-hmm. But you know, you get these magic moments where a little bit of truth seeps through, and it's <laughs> it's quite nice. <laughs> but um, Be- Beatles music, if if it is nothing else, is is just pure joy most of the time. Even if you it know? was
1: completely fabricated by Tavistock, they could yeah. have done a better job. <laughs> it doesn't mean job. I don't like the music any less.
0: <laughs> well I mean they did have those brill building factories where people would literally turn up for work at nine o'clock and they'd have piano they'd have like hundreds of pianos in different rooms and professional songwriters would sit down at nine o'clock and start writing <laughs> So yeah. you know and at the end of the day it's kind of in the end it's sort of melody in harmony really I mean obviously the voices are great the production's great but it I think the Beatles magic musically because I'm a musician it's It's really likewise oh yeah oh great great Um, it's really the magic of Melody and Harmony and the way they managed to find so many original ways to do it I think is is the magic and yeah I don't think there was another hand in it but you never know
1: you you never know you never know I want to ask
0: what do the Beatles Mm. mean to you? Um, yeah on one level just pure joy you know I mean I, I don't I tend not to, like, put on a Beatles album or something, but they come up in my feed, you know, when I'm doing a John Lennon show, or a... I mean, a lot of my shows could be classed as Beatles rather than just John Lennon anyway, some of the episodes. They're always there anyway. On one level, they're pure joy, but on another level, there's... It's just this... This is a total cop-out, but it's the ingredient X. It's this thing that just seeps into you, and I think... I think a big thing of it is what you get into when you're young. So Mm -hmm. I had, you know, I was saying it sort of, from memory it was like 1988, 89, when I would have been 13, 14, when I started getting into them. And then the next two years was just, just this amazing voyage of discovery. And a lot of people would say that it would be, would have been better to have been around at the time. But the big advantage I had like 20 years later, like 1989, let's say, is that I had all the music already there. I didn't have to wait 6 months for the next one to come yeah. out.
1: But uh, you, you don't have to go down to the record shop like, "Hey, is the new Beatles single out yet?" Yeah. No. All right.
0: But at the same time it wasn't all available on the internet. So it was a kind of a it was kind of a sweet spot because you had to seek it out a little bit. I mean, even if it just meant going to a record shop or going to a library. I mean, mm-hmm. I got a lot of stuff out of the library and um it was just this amazing discovery and then i remember just late at night my sister my other sister this time uh, had the white album and i remember just listening late at night with headphones and you know hearing happiness the warm gun and and then hearing uh, what I've, what i always remember about that album is that they'd have something spooky followed by something jaunty but then the jaunty thing then sounded spooky it was quite a good i yeah. don't know if that was a deliberate trick or not but uh, happiness the warm gun was a little bit slightly disturbing you know when he's obviously talking about heroin and um and then it was followed by martha my dear and that had the you know on a cd obviously i actually had it on cassette originally so i actually had to turn it over wow (laughs) big effort yeah i know (laughs) yeah and rewind things Yeah, amazingly but at least uh, you
1: only had to turn it over once
0: yeah yeah as opposed
1: to you know four times
0: well, I'll tell you one thing. Funny thing that happened actually was uh, when I had cassettes. Occasionally, because um, I had like a really cheap uh, tape recorder and then a stereo and stuff, and the tape would sometimes get jammed, and it actually f- it actually started playing backwards. And if you think Beatles backwards, like how perfect is that? So, so I actually <laughs> I actually used to listen not not too many songs, but I actually used to listen to a couple of the songs backwards. And, uh, Which were your favorites to listen to backwards? Oh, uh, well, let's uh, think. Uh, no, I don't know, but 66, uh, that sort of Revolver revolver Pepper era probably is the, the most conducive, because it's got backwards stuff anyway, so yeah. probably listened to I'm Only Sleeping and heard the guitar solo forwards.
1: Same <laughs> thing with uh, Tomorrow Never Knows.
0: Yeah, or Rain, The End of Rain as well.
1: Yeah, I actually learned how to play the solo from Tomorrow Never Knows by reversing it, learning that, and then recording it, and then reversing that. And it's like, oh, wow, it sounds like the record.
0: From Tomorrow Never Knows? Yeah. On guitar? Yeah. Oh, wow.
1: That was a very long, unproductive day.
0: (laughs) No, I mean, that's... I guess the magic of those sounds is that they can never be actually reproduced, can they? Because the ones were it's so intricate. I mean, you can fairly well reproduce them. and People do them live and stuff now, and they sound great. But uh, Yeah. Yeah. I don't know, but, yeah, this sort of voyage of discovery of a couple of years was quite amazing. And it was amazing to think that it all happened 25 years earlier, before I was born. And then I think, well, it must be even weirder for you, <laughs> I must say. <laughs> How do you feel about... Uh, how long ago all this was, you know, we're talking about 50 years. Crazy. It
1: it, it feels incredibly weird. Mm. It feels very, very weird. Yeah. Because it doesn't, you know, 50 years. That sounds like so long ago. But this music sounds, I guess that just kind of speaks to how much the Beatles shaped what followed. It sounds mm. fresh. Yeah. Well, as fresh as something from 19... 19- 65 can sound
0: yeah i think i think you can hear a fairly clear difference in like quality um not quality of songs but quality of uh, audio quality let's say from about 65 i think those early ones even though they've been cleaned up really well they're still a little bit muddy in in yeah. places but oh. um
1: it's still Mm. miles ahead of any other band in the 60s Mm. in terms of audio quality because i I noticed that like Mm. quite early on when i was discovering other 60s music it's like Mm. hey how come all this beatles stuff sounds like it was recorded yesterday and Mm. like the rolling stones it sounds like it was recorded through a tin can from a different Mm -hmm. room
0: I think theirs improved when they went to America. I think their stuff, but yeah, I think you're, yeah, you're right actually. Uh, yeah, yeah. Doesn't like that's quite early
1: Kink singles sound awful. Mm. <laughs> the early Who stuff sounds awful. Yeah. The Animals.
0: Yeah, that's nearly sixty. God, and they went to yeah. Hamburg, didn't they? Sixty years ago. Yeah. Hell of a long time. Have they got any rivals for you for sixties bands?
1: The Beatles. Hmm. Um well it's there's a constant number 2 which is The Who. I'm a big oh, Who right. fan. Right. 60s Who not 70s. You know, Quadrophenia, Tommy Who.
0: Mm.
1: Like I like The Who Sell Out.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. Haven't heard that much actually. Yeah.
1: It's it's fantastic. Um but lately it's been The Small Faces. Ah quite into the move which is hard as a canadian because the move practically didn't exist over here
0: mm. where were they from
1: uh they were, were from they... birmingham
0: oh birmingham, right, right yeah oh, like the moody blues yeah, yeah. the kinks as well they were a big favorite of mine mm-hmm. the kinks the kinks were
1: popular here so it's still easy to find kinks records oh yeah yeah not too not too easy though
0: Hmm. yeah i definitely put yeah the stones the Who, the kinks i mean i love simon and garfunkel i just grew up i grew up with that along with the beatles that was what sort of taught me how to sing harmonies or (laughs) oh it's just incredible and then late 60s you then suddenly you got jimmy and Zeppelin and Janis Joplin and The Doors and and Neil Young and Credence. (laughs) It's
1: It's funny. It sounds like you're naming more American bands and groups and I'm naming more British.
0: Yeah. um, Yeah, I can't really think of too many. Beatles, Stones, Who and Kinks. What else would there be? I I don't really know the small faces that much. Well, there's the zombies. Zombies, right.
1: Yardbirds.
0: Yeah, Yardbirds was never mad on, but I had a live yeah. album of theirs that was quite good. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I, I'm quite into the Yardbirds at the moment, but enough oh, yeah. about me. Enough about me. <laughs> so, why, or do you think there's a general misunderstanding of who
0: John Lennon is? Um, probably some aspects of him but i'm not sure that anyone quite (laughs) quite knows i think i think there's an official version yeah Um, where he
1: was you know ultimate peace activist mm, warrior number one
0: (laughs) i think it's really from about 74 to about 1980 that it all gets a bit kind of muddy and uh, i i feel very much less confident in saying what i you know, what I think may have happened. I think up to then, it's, it's not quite so mysterious because he was so public. I think most people would agree that he went through uh, sort of a rocker stage. He was, he'd sort of be a stoner and then he was into acid. Then he went back to rock and roll. Then he went back to being a stoner. And, uh, we talked about this a few times on the show. Like There's this kind of circle he went round. Yeah. Um, but I think the problem comes from 74, about 74 to 80, you know, because what May Pang will tell you and what Yoko will tell you, what Elliot Mintz, who's kind of Yoko's mouthpiece, will tell you, I just different. So you didn't different. hear that here. All right. Yeah. You can edit it out. No, not, I'm good. Do you like him, though? What? Do you like Elliot Mintz? I
1: don't really have any opinions.
0: I don't know no. him. I don't have a great opinion. I mean, it's it, it just. I don't know. It's just the official line, yeah. It's the party line, but yeah, uh, yeah. It just gets a bit muddy around that around that period, and so I think, I think the last five years, I think the kind of very rose-tinted idea, I don't think, is very accurate. But yeah, but but you know, it's, I guess it's just what people want. They want to remember people well, and there's a lot a lot of good things to remember him by, so I think I think mm-hmm. it's just a choice to remember him that way, but it's fine, yeah.
1: But have you, have you noticed as well, like, it seems like it's seeping more and more into the, the public consciousness, like, the bad things, like, the bad aspects mm. of John Lennon, like, you know, his abusive relationships.
0: Mm. Yeah, but I think, um, I mean, I think Cynthia has said on the record that he only hit her once. I mean, that was yeah. in her book, Yeah, I mean, we just don't remember correctly. She said, like
1: she deserved it.
0: Oh, did she? Yeah. Well, I mean, that's
1: still one too many times to hit a woman,
0: right? Right. And there was another lady called Thelma Pickles, yeah, uh, which is a great name. uh, I saw a documentary; it was actually about ten years ago, it was ages ago, but she was on it and she said that had happened. I think, and this is not to excuse it at all, but I think John Lennon and alcohol. And you know you must have seen people we've all seen people who just change like and become and they get this sort of snarl or this look in their eyes, and you kind of know that not to condone what they're doing, but you kind of know when they don't really know what they're doing, and they're going to wake up the next morning and think, "What the fuck did I do last night?" yeah, and I'm not excusing it, but I think I'm sure from Cynthia's book most of the problem came when he'd had a couple of drinks, and then all the demons um came out you know
1: yeah because I I assume he was quite let's say tipsy when he punched that uh, journalist in the face in 63
0: oh Bob uh, Wooler. yeah Bob Wooler. yeah that was a funny one because um you know I was saying earlier about this Ray Coleman and this kind of sanitized John Lennon have you heard the interview you did with Andy Peebles couple I have not be- heard that oh, one a couple of days before he died and it's I mean, it's obviously kind of strange and upsetting because it was two days before he died. But again, it's the official version, you know, and he's very, very up and he's very, very charming and he tells the old stories and stuff. But funnily enough, even in that interview, he actually said, you know, with Bob Woolley, he said, I could have killed somebody, you know, and I, I learned, you know, not to drink. I mean, I don't think, other than The Lost Weekend, which again, not excusing it, I don't... I don't think he had too many periods where he was a heavy drinker from, uh, you know, there was last weekend, but then, Mm -hmm. you know, he had other demons, but I don't think John Lennon on drugs, let's say, you know, doing acid was too much danger to people. I think, I think the alcohol was a massive factor.
1: What about the the heroin?
0: Yeah, but, um, I mean, to me, I actually had, I actually managed to get a therapist on, on my podcast, uh, psychology professional. And I was oh, asking wow. about this. Yeah, yeah, it was amazing. Well, that was one of my original ideas because I do have a psychology background. I mean, not professionally, but academically. And that was one of my ideas was to sort of introduce a bit of psychology. And I managed to get this guy on the show and it was great. And he was... And I, I also included an audio clip of a guy called uh, Gabor Mate who um, used to work with addicts in Vancouver. And he said... Um, one of his patients said heroin was like a warm hug. And it was really I mean it was just so powerful to hear that because it was a person that had like never been hugged and John Lennon certainly was hugged but mm-hmm. I think the heroin it it doesn't seem that surprising to me at all that someone like him would would I mean I've never done heroin but I kind of know more or less how it works and I, I did talk to somebody called Dan Richter I don't know if you've ever come across that he's he's featured in quite a few books Um he was a heroin addict and he told me about it. And he said, he said, it's you know, it's not, it's not a mystery that people get into it. Cause it, he said almost anyone could get into it. Actually, you know, I said to him, could a, could a well-balanced person from a nice family who'd never really had any trouble, could they get addicted to heroin? He said, yeah, absolutely. Cause you've got the physical addiction. And then when it's, when there's a psychological side to it, then obviously the addiction is multiplied and getting off it is even harder. So uh, I think, I think the heroin thing to me doesn't seem surprising somehow. Yeah. You
1: know? I want to ask you what mm. is your favorite John Lennon song?
0: Favorite John Lennon song. We did a show about this and it was a it was a real struggle. <laughs> Go um, listen to
1: that episode and then come yeah. back here.
0: Yeah. <laughs> we kind of cheated because we kind of we tried to we we chose the top 5 best and top 5 worst. But we kind of tried to do it from to cover different areas of his career but I'm going to just throw out um solo god perhaps or love okay yeah cuz i love plastic Ono band beatles john lennon songs possibly something i mean there's a kind of what i call the holy trinity of 1967 is strawberry fields day in the life and i am the warer so perhaps perhaps strawberry fields mm-hmm. give it the nod
1: it's it's a song that i don't think too much about but when i do think about it's oh man (laughs) that song because if it was just the the same arrangement all the way through then you wouldn't really think much of it but the fact that Mm. it goes full chaos and there was that thing with the two takes and then they had to Mm. slow one down and splice it
0: yeah and the drumming as well
1: oh the drumming it's i think it was paul mccartney also recording just on a, a floor tom just double because the first time i'd I... listened to it it's like oh wow did ringo have like a double kick pedal or something
0: mm-hmm. mm. you, yeah i know what you mean i, I was always wondering how, how did ringo manage to do that on his own and uh, i yeah. think there was actually a night where um i think george martin and jeff Emmerich went to a play or went to see a film or something And the others went into the studio, and then they came back four hours later or something, and they'd recorded this percussion track, and I think there was even seven or eight of them. Oh, wow. Yeah, just whacking. You know, it's that that lovely thing with the Beatles where they just invite their mates into the session. It has this family atmosphere, you know, all these crazed people in 1967 all whacking uh, bongo drums. But that yeah, that that sound, the tom, right, that really makes it. Yeah. It's kind of perpetual motion kind of thing. But, mm-hmm. um,
1: just that's, that's one of my favorite moments in a Beatles song is mm. when it seems like the, the switch flips in Strawberry Fields and you just hear that George Harrison guitar lick, like, Boo, oh, doo, yeah. doo, 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 doo. and then it just goes from there.
0: Yeah, and you can hear the isolated drums as well. Mm-hmm. N- another very good Beatles show, particularly if you like technical stuff, is producing the Beatles. That's a, another great one. Mm-hmm. and they did uh they they showed how they did that and then they they said and then the beatles recorded this and it's a doo-doo, 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 and it's ringo's drum part isolated it's just oh man oh. it's so good it's so tribal you know
1: i think that's one of the best thing that's <laughs> that's come out of the last 15 years when that rock mm. band game came out and all mm. the isolated tracks got leaked
0: oh crazy i was saying to you earlier
1: i have them all
0: oh dear yeah I was saying to you earlier, it's suddenly new Beatles sounds when we thought we'd heard them all. Mm-hmm. You hear little snatches of guitar or piano that you can't hear on the final song, and it's like, oh, yes.
1: Although it's, <laughs> it's not 100% because, you know, on, like, mm. the early tracks, when they, I, when they weren't even doing full four track,
0: yeah, it track, was
1: yeah. just, you're listening to the iso- isolated, quote-unquote, drums, mm. and it's just like... <laughs> That's then, a really yeah, good impression, yeah. That's exactly yeah. the sound. Yeah. And you have to mix in the bass and it's like, okay, there's there's some of the drums. You mix in the guitar, okay, there are the hi hats.
0: Yeah, and it all sounds underwater, is what you're saying. It
1: does. It sounds <laughs> underwater.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I don't really I don't really listen to the isolated uh before about sixty five. Yeah, they're yeah. really dodgy, but sixty five almost. Once you get an to ones. like
1: rubber soul, yeah, you're yeah. you're good.
0: Yeah, definitely. Yeah.
1: So what is your least favorite
0: John Lennon song out of those top five that you... Least favorite John Lennon song? Um, Again, I'll refer to (laughs) the show we did, uh, just because I'm trying to remember. Um, I think I picked on one that's called Only People from uh, Mind Games. And it's, it's not one I even knew that well, but I listened through Mind Games and think... And Mind Games is like half of a really good album, but there were a couple <laughs> of. It was sort of only people, da, da, and it was kind of really trite lyrics. And um, of the, I don't, I don't have, I don't think of the well-known ones or the ones we know. I, I can't actually think of any bad ones. It's it's weird. I, I don't mean, hate. The, too many there's of them.
1: some that I I don't really care for that much, mm. and it, one of them is quite controversial. I I don't really care for Jealous Guy. Oh, interesting.
0: Yeah. Okay. The lyrics or the music or just the overall The the music more so. Ah, interesting. Yeah. What do you think of Child of Nature? Do you think?
1: I mean, it's a a bit better. I like it Mm. a bit better than Jealous Guy.
0: I think they couldn't really have Child of Nature and Mother Nature's Son. Yeah. That was interesting that John and Paul wrote a pretty similar song. A similar, you know, acoustic-y yeah. song about nature.
1: That was cool. Same Donovan finger-picking pattern.
0: Yeah, the Travis picking, which I've used on a few of my songs. Just, Travis picking. When I, when I first discovered the Travis picking, it was just like, yep, I'll just everything will have that for the next three months. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so it's a funny thing. I, I had, um, when I was discovering, I mean, I was always drawn more to John Lennon than the others, but it's sort of evened out. I think John and Paul are just per- to me. They're just perfectly equal There's a sort of equal talent wise. You know, I don't really have any preference. I just love both of them. But uh, I've found that the certain traits of John Lennon, which have just gone into me. And one of them is like, I was saying obsessing about things and like discovering something, particularly like when I was younger, discovering something and then just going full bore on that for like three months. Mm-hmm. you know the same way they'd say oh let's have everything backwards i'm like everything beatles and uh, i went all across the country which isn't that difficult in england it's yeah. not as big as so <laughs> the states or canada but uh, i went all around the country meeting beatles people met cynthia lennon briefly <laughs> was, yeah. how'd that go well we were a bit um again I've, I've sort of confessed about this on the show before we were a bit we we're a bit sneaky we we're i was very young i was like 21 22 so one of us. Did, uh, um, let's have a chat with Cynthia. And uh, once someone mentioned Yokono to see what she says, and uh, we we didn't do it in a cruel way because I, I was just really happy to talk to her. And she was just lovely. She was exactly what you would imagine, like mm-hmm. no no different. And then uh, someone just mentioned Yokono, and she just rolled her eyes, and that was it. <laughs> she <laughs> didn't say anything. But she just, went, she, oh, yeah. she just seems like the the definition
1: of class.
0: Yeah, I think. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's quite telling that she said, she said, huh, she said... Um, I know what it's like she to be like, dead. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. She said, she said that... Uh, she Turning like into Yoko fucking
1: Sam Wiles with these fucking puns. <laughs>
0: <laughs> He's got a whole pun show, hasn't he? I know. Pun it, yeah. i well, have listen to that. <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> Which even even the in the name, obviously, Pun it's, it, it's it, is a It's disappointing.
1: I hate puns make me want to fucking die
0: <laughs> okay no more puns. yeah <laughs> no was, um what was i talking about yeah no cynthia said that she did feel that yoko was the one for john so it was interesting to get it get that from her i think it was in her book or an interview or something but yeah i mean she's just classy but i don't know would it be bad to say she was too normal hmm. what do you think i
1: i don't think that's actually too bad Uh, Mm. considering how not normal John Lennon was
0: yeah or turned out to be she was
1: you know a well rounded person and Mm. John Lennon was John Lennon
0: Mm.
1: and he was an enigma wrapped in a riddle
0: (laughs) yeah I think he just had to experience things to the full go to the extremes you know I mean if you think about I mean have you heard of John Dunbar you know, he had the Indica Gallery, and he was mm-hmm. he was Marianne Faithfull's ex-husband, and then he, he did more acid with John than anyone else did. And he's never really, I don't think he's written a book or done many interviews, but the amount of acid that John Lennon did, I mean, it's, it's a miracle that he came out of it. it it's um, a
1: miracle he did turn out like Sid Barrett.
0: Well, there you go, yeah. Or, um, you know, there were other ones. I think Peter Green, who recently died, was fleet with Mac. I think yeah. he did a lot of he did a lot of LSD, didn't he? Yeah, but yeah, a bit of I an think acid casualty. Yeah, well, I mean, John was heading that way. I mean, I always say to people, you know, if you look at the pictures of him doing Sergeant Pepper, it really. I have a theory that I've just formulated recently from reading that Riding So High book that I reviewed. With Please Pop. do share. <laughs> somewhere in the Riding So High book, they talk about Robert Fraser, who had the Robert Fraser Gallery and introduced paul to coke and possibly heroin as well um he was bringing apparently bringing speed balls to the sergeant pepper sessions Speedballs is cocaine okay. and heroin mixed together which is you know it's going to be a swinging evening <laughs> and i think he may have indulged in that i mean I, Wait, I think what
1: are what are speed balls again
0: cocaine and heroin mixed together okay. yeah um, and that's just <laughs> some speed yeah, well, there's some, some sort of weird balancing act going on there between them, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> you know. But um, I think that, that John and Paul may have indulged in those because if you look at Sgt. Pepper photos, he, he really looks like a completely different person. But uh, mm-hmm. he seemed to be an amazing survivor because uh, I think, yeah, what he put his body through. That's that's why, I mean, when people people often ask me on this show, what do you think he would have done? Or I ask them as well, what do you think he would have done? And what I fear was that he wouldn't, he probably wouldn't have lived to i don't know eighty, I mean, you'd like to think he would, of course, but yeah, but I think it was have been a miracle like George yeah, I mean, uh, he used to smoke like George, he used to smoke too many strong cigarettes, so you know it could have gone that way, but um, I think uh, yeah, he was an amazing survivor, you know what he what he did to himself, basically. Mm-hmm. Well, how did we get on to talk about that?
1: <laughs> well, I wanna I wanna ask you a really weird question. Go on. Um, so this this'll probably date the conversation based on when it'll up or be uploaded a little. But okay. as of now, there's a new John Lennon compilation coming out called Give Me Some Truth. Mm. What is your favorite John Lennon
0: compilation? Oh, <laughs> Well, did you have some inside information? Because I just did a show about this with Ed uh, and Lonnie. (laughs) Did you know about that? I did not know about that. Oh, right. But I I, uh, I also
1: just did a show with Ed and Lonnie, but nothing to do with that.
0: No, I heard that. The anthology, right? I heard the first one of those.
1: Oh, it's great. great. apologies.
0: (laughs) No, um, yeah, I mean, I, I did post on social media. Give me some truth. We don't need another fucking compilation. You know, that's the truth, basically. But Yeah,
1: uh, because um, favorite... I, I listened mm. to the, the new mix of Mind Games, and mm. I, I really like what they did with the uh, Instant Karma remix. Mm. But Mind Games, I feel like it just kind of ruined the song.
0: Yeah, I, I don't know if I've heard that, actually. I think I heard the Instant Karma one. Like, what um, I, I
1: loved about, like, the Instant Karma, it brought out the choir... But it kept mm. the drums sounding fairly like the original. Mm. The vocals were bright, but like what I loved about the original mix of uh, Mind Games was it sounded like that Phil Spector wall of sound, you know. Mm. And I feel like it doesn't sound that good all opened up.
0: It sounds barren. Yeah, yeah I mean, uh, it's it's strange, isn't it? Because, I mean. I... First of all, I'm not really a person that hears a big difference in remasters and remixes. You know, if someone points something out to me, I'm going to notice it. But, you know, I, I think I just I don't know. I think I like the songs as they are. But, you know, I'm going to completely contradict that by, you know, when we, if we talk about the White Album, for example, that, that, that album was just absolutely elevated. So I have just completely contradicted what I just said. Yeah, <laughs> but, uh, I think um, you like the White Album remix. I did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, I think, you know, maybe maybe someone who's never owned a John Lennon compilation, this might be their first one and they'd be yeah. really happy with it, you know, because they're probably getting the best versions possible of most of the songs. But is it necessary? But it, say, I it
1: confuses me. It's like these are the ultimate mixes. Mm. And it's like there's there's a number of songs from Imagine on that compilation. Didn't they mm. just do ultimate mixes of those like two years ago? It's like, so wait, which are the ultimate mixes? It's like, yeah. Oh, these are the ultimate twenty twenty mixes.
0: Yeah, these are the even more ultimate mixes yeah. than the last ones. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: It, at that point it's <laughs> bordering on spinal tap territory.
0: Yeah. When we did the show with Ed and Lonnie, we all we looked on Wikipedia all the compilations, and we kind of we were going through them chronologically, and we were able to justify the first five or six. Yeah. It's like, oh, okay, that's the singles that weren't on the albums. That's this. That's that. Yeah. This is all the stuff. Saved fish. Yeah, I mean that was great for up to the time when he kind of retired from uh, public life, and then. John Lennon collection included 1980 and then the Lennon legend included the Milk and Honey song so they were just tenuously and then we get to these other ones and then there's one called Peace Love and Truth with a really kind of peace love and truth cover and it was all sort of peace songs but then they had uh, yeah but then they had uh, I don't want to face it in there which isn't really (laughs) you know you say you want to save humanity but it's people that you just can't stand you know. One of the great lyrics, but uh, having that one and I I'd there, love
1: I've... one of those like peace and love compilations, but just have serve yourself thrown in there. Oh, uh, yeah. Like yeah, yeah, smack guitar. in the middle. <laughs> yeah. yeah. yeah.
0: Um, but um, yeah, favorite John Lennon compilation. I probably have to say Lennon Legend because I loved John Lennon Collection, but uh, Lennon Legend had a few other on there and Cold Turkey. But then, you know, if you're talking about Sort of outtakes and everything. I think the John Lennon anthology box, you know, from '98. Yeah. Oh, I mean that was just fabulous. Couldn't fold that one at all.
1: Yeah. Is that mm. the one that's "Once Upon a Time"?
0: Or yeah. Once of, ap- no, "Once Upon a Time" was a was a, a compil Yeah, a compilation of a compilation. Oh, yeah. Came it out was at like the same the, time.
1: It was the compilation of the anthology.
0: That's it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the best stuff. Yeah.
1: yeah. So. <laughs> I'll, I'll divert, focus back to the Beatles now. What is your okay. favourite Beatles album?
0: Well, yeah, as I was just saying before, this White Album thing, I think uh, that remaster pushed it up because um, I was on another show, actually, and they said, what's your Desert Island Beatles album? What show was and, this? Um, oh, Jesus, what was it called? Uh, Tomorrow Never Knows. Okay. No, cut out the bit where I wasn't sure. <laughs>
2: <laughs> um
0: yeah, tomorrow never No filter, never knows. baby. <laughs> tomorrow never knows because um, uh, there's a show called Desert Island Discs that you may have come across, which is yeah. a, sort of a British institution, and uh, they that never was, asked uh, me to go on there. By the way,
1: that was John Peel, right? Uh,
0: no, it was um, oh, it was some old establishment fella from England for years, and then it was Sue Lawley and Kirsty Young, but it's had. Uh, had lots of people you'd have heard not of. Not Whispering there. Bob. No, not Whispering Bob Harris, no. used to listen to him when I was about 15. He had The Late Show on, BBC, on Radio 1. Yeah. But um, uh, someone said, uh, what's your Desert Island Beatles album? And I said, the White Album, because I'd have more to listen to on a desert island, like <laughs> yeah. it would last longer. <laughs> I think, uh, yeah, the remaster just a couple of years ago just pushed that one up slightly. So by a short head from... Uh, Probably rubber sole or revolver, I'd say, and then Abbey Road and Pepper just below that.
1: And you know, just to make things interesting, I want to ask, what's mm. your least favorite Paul McCartney song? <laughs> <laughs> least favorite? Oh God. Yeah, yeah including
2: just, a,
1: beat- just Including a, Beatles. Just Including Beatles.
0: Not including Beatles solo. Oh, okay. Oh, blimey, I don't know that many. Is the problem? Um. Mm. Struggling. Hmm.
1: What about the frog song? We oh, all the stand
0: together. <laughs> well, I remember that as a kid, so I've got special affection for that. That's yeah. <laughs> um, oh blimey! Well, you know, uh, press to play. I actually, I actually like quite a lot of that. In fact, I like a lot of that. But there's a couple on there. What would be the weaker songs on that album? I'll try and remember. Um, uh, not uh, talk I mean, more talk. Talk more, talk. No, I quite like. I quite like that. It's a good show. Stranglehold. I really like footprints. Oh, there's that one called Angry. Just because it does doesn't sound very convincing. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't sound very angry, and the fact <laughs> that he said he was angry, he needed to say he was angry, probably diluted the anger. So, yeah, I've overthought that one, haven't I?
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that that's um, what the show's about, though. It's about overthinking things. Oh, so is mine as well. Perfect. Perfect. Match Made in Heaven, Kindred Spirits.
0: Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, I can't think. Cause I, could I ask you yours? Uh, can I stall for time?
1: Oh, sure. My <laughs> least favorite McCartney song. Yeah. It's it's a good song. It's simultaneously one of my favorites and my least favorite. Is, does that make sense?
0: Uh, not really, but we're going to run with it. Anyway. Okay.
1: I'd like to present forth Give Ireland Back to the Irish. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's I like the song, but it is so fucking ham-fisted with its hmm. message. Like, it's it's so cringy. Well, it's sort of hey, strangely... Great, great Britain's awesome. I would know about that. But how would you like it if there were Irish soldiers coming yeah. up to you. That'd be kind of funny, wouldn't it? That, that's, that's the entire fucking song.
0: <laughs> I always found it a bit, um, kind of the, mu- the music was quite genteel for supposedly, sorry, supposedly something quite hard hitting. Yeah. You know? And um, I think because there have been so many other better songs, I mean, you know, U2's um, Sunday Bloody Sunday, John mm-hmm. Lennon did a song called... Luck of the Irish. It? Well, no, I wasn't thinking of that one. <laughs> actually, oh. that was uh, no. He did um, didn't he have one called Bloody Sunday as well? I think Sunday so. Bloody. I think him and you too both had one called Sunday Bloody Sunday. I think, yeah. I think. I think mean, that yeah. Lucky the I- like Lucky the Irish was. Yeah, that was actually when you asked me about my least favourite. I think it's not it's not the tune, it's the context that he's talking about genocide and he's got this strange sort of Irish waltz. You know, yeah. I, I get the irony of it. You know, I I, told, I get what he was trying to do but it didn't really work. I've yeah. thought of a Paul song. Okay. I mean it has it has to be Mary as a little lamb, I'm afraid. Um, yeah. and I, I defend Paul I've found myself as I get older defending Paul much more and saying the guy can do what he wants and if he does something that everybody else thinks is absurd then maybe that's him being way out rather than him being kinda lame. But I think Mary had a little lamb is a bit just a tiny bit beyond the pale
1: yeah (laughs) a lot of those early wings songs i find just kind of annoying
0: i just don't know them i don't know solo career that well i I know the ones i like the albums i like but uh, i don't know them there's a few of those wings albums i don't really know that well but
1: uh, and lastly um, what is your mm. favorite john lennon album
0: That one's easier, Plasticono Band. Okay. Um, I mean, it's I read actually read The Primal Scream. Um, Have a guess why I read that. Hmm. (laughs) Hmm. Uh, No, I I kind of sought that book out and I read it. It was an amazing book, and uh, I mean, uh, I said I kind of got psychology background. I'm very interested in things like mental health and. Things like that, and uh, you know, he would he'd just been through this promo therapy. I'm pretty sure he had a nervous breakdown as well in 1970. And mm-hmm. when he I just had think,
1: all his hair shaved, and
0: yeah, yeah, but uh, I think it's, it's now become a cliche sort of pain in art, but I don't think it was a cliche back then. And I think even John Lennon's biggest critic could never say that that wasn't that that album was inauthentic, you know. I think. I think imagine was a bit more inauthentic because it was a conscious decision to you know put some chocolate sauce or syrup on it or whatever you want to call it whatever his yeah. quote was you know but um i hadn't listened to it for ages and then i did we did a show about 1970 and I actually listened to it on headphones all the way through for the first time in years and it, it was just so powerful and uh you know so i'd have to say that one
1: and now it's it easier. gets to my favorite point in the show <laughs>
0: What would you like to plug? What i like to plug... Well, I mean, I've got some music. Um, it's quite beatly, which is not surprising. John Lennon-y. Um, I have my music on bandcamp.com, so if you just search under my name, Anthony, without an H, and then Rotuno, R-O-T-U-N-N-O. And then, obviously, yeah, Glass Onion on John Lennon on all the usual places, and the Twitter is at OnionLennon. And... Yeah, all I really want to say about it is I I think it, at the moment it seems to be the only John Lennon podcast although obviously the other guys dip into John Lennon's solo career and I, you know, I talk a lot about John Lennon in the Beatles, you know, I mean that's still for me the most interesting part, but you know I personalise and I, we've done shows about drugs, about politics, about his murder and like I say, you know like you said earlier going to places that Maybe others don't want to touch, but yeah, you know. So yeah, that's it. And let me just say, let me just embarrass you before we go. Oh shit! I really, I really love your show. I've heard, I heard uh, Ken Womack, Kit, Tom Hanyadi, and Sam. Oh, okay. And uh, I think you and Sam are. Yeah, it's so difficult to talk to someone who's much younger and not sound vaguely patronising. Yeah. It's very, pretty. No, it's difficult. okay. I'm used to it. But uh, no, all I was going to say was that you and Sam, I think, have brought a kind of youthful Sam's exuberance. Sam's a delightful
1: asshole. <laughs> yeah.
0: Love you, man oh, Sorry, I wasn't agreeing with that. Yeah, I wasn't agreeing with that. Yeah. I was just <laughs> laughing. Um, no, I think it's brought. Um, it's brought a sort of uh, lightness and uh, more right. irreverence because uh, some of the other shows were irreverent, but. I think perhaps a, a lot of them and uh, um, have been in it a long time. So their opinions are not necessarily going to change. And I think um, uh, you should have Ed Chen. Are you going to have Ed Chen on this show? Yes, I will. Because he has, um, you can leave this in if you want. Ed has a playfulness that I don't think comes out in his show. And I don't mind saying that because I love his show. I listen to it a lot. And he was on my show, and I've been on his show. But I think Sam brought out something. And I think if he was on your show, you would probably bring that out. And I think you're kind of bringing these older people, which includes me, because Ed and I are more or less the same age. You're bringing them out a bit. and uh, Bringing them out of I the retirement home? No. Well, <laughs> <laughs> bring it, bringing them out of maybe uh, a style that's, that's uh, existed for a long time. So... Bringing out a lightness and a playfulness because I think the way you do your show—not uh, meaning to to analyse it too much—but uh, the way you bring your show, you know, it, it doesn't doesn't invite clichéd opinions. It invites sort of personalising. And yeah. I think that's kind of what I do on my show. You know, I I, I think the people that've been on it, I think they've all had a good experience. I hope, and I think, um, yeah, personalization is what's needed because the facts, although the facts. I wouldn't say they're changing but all these new books are bringing out more and more facts. They are fairly well established and you know I've been telling my listeners for the last six months that I'm probably on the point of running out of topics but I'm still going for now and I'm, I've actually got enough recorded for the rest of the year. Myself and a guy called Ghosty who you will probably come across at some point. We did a show about John Lennon and Elvis and he's a big Elvis guy and I do like Elvis. Uh, we did actually five hours. <laughs> over three. Oh, talks. fuck me. <laughs> yeah, so that's going to be the first ever three-parter, and I, and I add loads of audio clips, so the c- the shows are pretty big, you know, I, I raced to 50 episodes and then kind of had a nervous breakdown slash burnout for a month and couldn't make it to my computer to, to edit anything. I'd, I'd completely burned out, um, but now I've took a I month i'm then scared I'm that you're you're <laughs> being a fortune teller right now <laughs> <laughs> well, i mean i did i did 50 the first 50 shows were on average about 10 days you know they're mostly weekly but then i'd sometimes have a break and some of them were more than two hours and it's p- it was pretty heavy and i was doing a lot of audio clips and really making them into big presentations so i had like 50 well, that, that's the difference so. with
1: my show. It's it's very stripped back. Like right, right. I've only ever added in like one little thing, maybe once or twice, as a joke.
0: Right. Like, <laughs> wouldn't it be right. funny
1: if we added in echo
0: here and I added in echo? Right, right, right. Well you might you might find you, you add more things, I don't know. It's H- who it knows? Quite addictive. No, I, mean, I know. I, I just...
1: But I'm also scared of copyright issues
0: yeah i mean yeah i mean this is this funny gray area isn't it i mean youtube um do you put your stuff on youtube as well
1: yes that's where yeah i think that's actually where my audience listens to it the most Oh right right, could be i don't know my audience
0: right right um i mean they'll if you if you put any if you put even like two seconds of the recorded official version of a song it will get it will get struck off straight away you'll get an email within like four seconds (laughs) <laughs> but um i've got away with audio clips of people talking and stuff and isolated tracks i think that's how a, a few a few of us get around that but uh, it's uh it's a weird area isn't it i mean even though at the end of the day you know ed and i were talking about this essentially we're promoting we're yeah. promoting the beatles i mean you know we say a few negative things but at the end of the day you know for fuck's sake we're giving them plenty of amazing free plugging that they don't need you know (laughs) (laughs) you know so anyway so i'd say pace yourself
1: (laughs) well uh, i kind of learned that the hard way because um i i just dove headfirst into interviewing so many people that at Mm. one point i actually had to go to two episodes a week just to keep up with my backlog
0: right yeah
1: luckily i'm back down to one a week like a a fairly normal person, mm.
0: and how long do you project it going, or you just just keep going and see what happens?
1: Uh, I, my original thing when I started the show was like, uh, I'll I'll consider where the show's going once I get Mark Lewison on the show, uh, and right, then yeah. and then I'll I'll evaluate the future from there. It's like the Holy Grail. Yeah, yeah kind of. Mark, we- if you're listening to this, and I know you are. <laughs> Return my emails.
0: Just kidding. Yeah. I haven't sent him emails. When, when you get him on here, you've got to prepare such killer questions that you could do like eight hours and then you can stretch it out
1: for a yeah. few months. Do like a 12-part docuseries.
0: Yeah. <laughs> my talks with Mark Lewison. Yeah. Mark Lewison reveals all. Mark reveals. Lewison said what? Question mark, question mark, question mark. <laughs> I like him because, um, I mean, not only because of the research and everything, but he, he he does reveal information that doesn't, you know, gets him in trouble because I think, you know, he's got in trouble with a few people. Oh, yeah. Um, a couple know, of Beatles here and there. Yeah, Jordan mm. before he died. and I think um, John Lennon's sister and a couple of other people. But, you yeah, know, it's only because, you know, he's seeking the truth and, and revealing it. I don't think... I don't think he's ever put anything scandalous in his books. He's just put interesting stuff. I mean, I'd, probably George Martin's family probably didn't want to know about how the Beatles were really signed. <laughs> but you know, I mean, all credit to Mark. You know, he's he's doing the business, isn't he?
1: Yeah. Well, it must be a weird
0: life. He's must be a weird life. He's almost got like a nine-to-five job studying the Beatles. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Yeah. Uh, I, i'm still getting used to plugging myself so let's let's see if i can give this spiel a go cool. well if you're if you've enjoyed this episode and you're listening on youtube please hit that like button comment what you liked comment what you didn't please don't do that actually it hurts my feelings no. um subscribe hit that bell icon if you're listening elsewhere please give us a five-star review even if you didn't like it it helps my ego <laughs> but yeah we're we're available to listen to on every single service known to man unless it's that one service that someone says hey are you on so-and-so service like well i guess i gotta add myself there you can't get enough of me no matter how hard you try and get rid of me it'll i'm (laughs) like say one yes you can you can say
0: many things no, I was just going to say one thing. Uh, I, I stopped uh, asking for reviews, positive or negative. I don't mention that. Because <laughs> I got a negative one. It was like, fuck! Yeah. Oh, I just walked into that. Yeah,
1: On my first episode, or the second episode I did, uh, which was the Ken Womack, I got one thumbs yeah. down on YouTube. And I was so mm. upset that I sent the link to all my friends and said, can you please like this so the dislike seems smaller? <laughs>
0: Yeah, actually got a bad review. I think it was a two-star rating. I was thinking, I was thinking, like, can't you write to me first and tell me what I'm doing wrong before you give me the shit rating? Yeah. <laughs> give me a chance to atone for my sins before you actually. Some fucking courtesy, please. Yeah, yeah. Isn't it a strange world on the internet where it, it's really revealed this kind of dark side to people, isn't it? That yeah. Because it, because you can just do it anonymously. You yeah. can Make up a username. You can just write any shit you want. Yeah. Some of the awful stuff. <laughs>
1: Uh, luckily, I um, haven't had that much awful stuff yet, but the best is yet to come.
0: <laughs> no, I mean, I'm just saying generally, like, there's a famous Twitter story of a... Because um, I use this in my English classes. I think she was a journalist. It was about 10 years ago, and she went to... She was on a plane to Africa. Oh, don't know if yes. You ever heard, have you heard of this? Show? Yeah. And she tweeted, going to Africa, hope I don't get AIDS. And she did explain... I don't know, I guess she's a journalist. She did explain the logic behind it, but, I mean, I think it was, like, a, a, a silly thing to do rather than sort something malicious. But do you know what happened? Like, she... Yeah. You know, she turned off her phone, and then by the time she'd landed, she'd got hundreds of messages, but some of them are like... I, I won't even repeat them. I mean, some of them are just awful. But it was stuff like, um, oh, I'd, I'd love to see your fucking face when, I, when you check your phone. It's all stuff like that, you know, which is really... You know, if you don't like someone's politics, fair enough. Or if you think they made a misguided comment, but it's that delighting in people's misfortune. I think that's the dark side that, that Twitter and stuff has brought up.
1: On you know? that jolly note. Yeah, yeah. So that's not a good note, is it? <laughs> Antony, thank you so much for coming on the show. It's been it's been a blast.
0: You're very welcome. No, it's been great. And uh, keep going with the show. And yeah, good luck. With thank
1: you. To everyone else out there. Thank you for listening. You can go home now.
2: Bands on the Run is produced by
0: Ethan Alexander. Additional voiceovers by Richard Fell. This has been a Showtown Production.